sexual energy, misconceptions about soulmates, and calling your power back. That and much more on this episode of Sex, Love, Joy. You're listening to Sex, Love, Joy, an interview series in which special guests reveal intimate details about how they connect the dots between sex, love, joy. I'm your host, Anaheim Bjorkvist. Before we get into today's show, I want to let you know that I will be in New York City on September 25th, co-hosting an event called Nourish and Nosh. If you'd like to know more details about that, please visit sexlovejoy.com slash events. On today's show, I have with me Claire Sentient, empath and coach, Hasnea. You might know her from Twitter as That Girl Haas or Instagram as Vibrational Medicine. She also has a lovely blog on Medium that I recommend that you follow. The interview that we had lasted about an hour and it was so juicy that I really didn't want to cut anything out of it for the show. So this interview you'll get in two pieces, one this week and the second part next week. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Sex, Love, Joy, Hasnea. Hi, I'm happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you. I know, so excited. I want you to tell the listeners more about your work. Yeah, so currently right now, I think a lot of people are familiar with some of the ideas and concepts that I share on social media through the the name Vibrational Medicine. Um, And basically what it is, is me starting to talk about some of my experiences and my spiritual practices that have really helped me move into a life that I love. They come from a lot of different traditions. So some of this stuff has a really ancient lineage. And some of the stuff is just my, my own thing that I sort of intuitively started to create. So I like to share that information um, with people. So that's that's really what my work is about. I wanted you to go into the sacredness of sexual energy and how we can use it for different purposes. Yeah, so we're just going to get right into it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm so excited to talk about this because I feel like not often am I asked about um, how sex is incorporated into a spiritual practice. And I think even within a lot of religious or maybe even spiritual traditions, it's a little bit taboo or it's just left out of the conversation. And I think it's so crucial because sex is the basis of all of creation. It is the most sacred of practices um, and sexual energy itself is the God force. It is uh, the life force energy that all of creation is born from. And so I wanted to share a little bit about how moving into this new earth paradigm, we are becoming more aware of how powerful we are, and we're becoming more aware of how to tap into our own divinity. And with um, us also becoming more extrasensory, um, and not just um, seeing the world as the material and physical world and knowing the world through our five senses, 
we're starting to all become more telepathic and more clairvoyant, we are all going to be more sensitive to energy. And yes. so we're going to have to learn to be um, a lot more aware about how we utilize and share our sexual energy. In a lot of the ancient traditions, you know, I'll refer to some of the ones that maybe people are familiar with. So like the Taoist tradition and or like the, the Tantra, the Tantric tradition, your sexual energy is utilized to attain enlightenment. It's utilized to open you up to experience God. Um, and you can do this with a partner. Um, there are practices for you to do this on your own. The sages would compare sex to meditation, okay? It's one of the first opportunities for you to basically drop your ego and surrender and experience oneness. But that's not how a lot of people are using sex right now. A lot of people are utilizing sex in a way that just really feels good to their body. Mm -hmm. And not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, the, the, the practice of embodiment or anything that brings you into your body is obviously really powerful and beautiful as well. But I do want people to be aware that there are other ways that you can utilize this life force energy for creating whatever you want in your life. So you can use your sexual energy for manifestation, for healing, you can use it for um, empowering your life. If you think about how you feel when you are attracted to someone sexually, how much it will compel you out of your comfort zone. It will compel you to do things that you wouldn't have been normally comfortable doing or saying or putting yourself out there mm -hmm. or being willing to be vulnerable in these ways. So if you think about that in relationship to pursuing someone else, imagine if you directed that into your life, you know, and you use that sexual energy, that life force energy to compel you to take advantage of more opportunities or to create more success or to create more prosperity and, and to experience more rewarding experiences that you wouldn't have felt comfortable doing. And so that's how sexual energy can be utilized in, in other ways. And so one of the practices, for example, would be maybe going into a meditation where you start to awaken that sexual energy, that kundalini energy, and you actually move it through all of your chakras and you start to feel it energizing your whole entire body. And you create a circuit where your body is receiving healing from all of that energy. You can also do this during sex. <laughs> you can actually take that energy while you're with a partner and you can move that energy through all of your centers you know, and that's again what some of the ancients did. They would not, they would not be having sex to reach orgasm necessarily. They would be having sex, and they would be um, in a meditative state, and they would be completely surrendering their ego, and they would be being a conduit for powerful healing with each other and awakening and enlightenment and in reaching higher states of consciousness. And this is absolutely something that's available to everyone. I love it how you were talking about withholding the orgasm so that mm -hmm. you can use it through your own body. Mm -hmm. Before we started recording, we had talked about how soulmates link to those energy levels. Mm -hmm. So I would love for you to talk about the misconceptions about soulmates. Yeah, so this is definitely one of the questions I get asked about so much are people talking about like just soul family and soul contracts and, you know, how do I find my soulmate or, you know, how do I know it's my soulmate or what do I do if my soulmate doesn't love me back or, <laughs> you know, all these, all these kinds of great questions. And 
um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we can try to perceive what we feel that we're experiencing when we connect with someone that we think is what we call a soulmate. On one level, when we connect with people, they are awake and um, open in certain energy centers that we may be not awaken or maybe have closed off or have blocks around so true so when we experience someone who has those centers open what we actually are experiencing is our our own energy when someone comes into our life and they open up let's say our heart chakra we think that we're experiencing that person's love but what we really are experiencing is our own love you know and again these kinds of practices that i talk about are about cultivating that relationship with self because ultimately that's what's going to fulfill you no one outside of you is going to be able to fulfill you even if you meet someone who in the very very rare case uh actually matches all of your energy centers which is again so rare as i was saying it's like adam and eve stuff you know um even if you were to say like encounter that um that person is not going to complete you you are experiencing that in that way because you're already activated and awake in all of those centers. So when you meet someone and they give you a glimpse of what that can feel like, and then let's say the relationship ends and you feel like you're missing something that they gave you, really what you're missing is experiencing yourself. You know, so it's always an opportunity to cultivate more of that within yourself. But what's beautiful, let's say, like in the tantric tradition is that, um, the practices are actually developed in a way for you to turn ordinary lovers into soulmates. You do this inner work, you know, again, you're not having sex with someone's outer self. You're not just having sex with someone's body. You're having this intentional sexual relationship where you're moving energy. A lot of times you, you want to start to learn how to practice moving energy through your own circuits for your, for multitude of reasons. Um, before you start trying to move energy through with a partner. Yeah. It can be kind of confusing. And and sometimes you can have experiences actually where your energy centers get burnt out, you know, which like, for example, too much orgasm can do. If you're, if, if you're someone who's masturbating like three times a day and all the time, you don't realize it, but you're actually depleting your energy centers. And you're at some point you're going to, if you want to move into these practices, you're going to have a harder time connecting to the fullness of those energy centers because you've burnt them out to a certain degree so again this going back to soulmates everyone that we encounter is a soulmate everyone that's in our life i always say this everyone that's in our life in some capacity is a soulmate because we have contracted them in our pre-birth plan to encounter us and meet us and at this time and show us something about ourselves that we need to learn and to understand and however open we are to our soul lessons, we will be able to engage in this partnership with literally anyone that we encounter if, if we're if we're available for this work. Tell people what you think it means to fall in love. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, I definitely feel again that this idea of love is so powerful. Um, and, you know, one of the things the Taoists say is love expands through sexuality is the most powerful medicine um and you know i think that again cultivating that relationship with self is key but the reason that let's say a man falls in love this might be a little bit um of a pretty like advanced sort of 
concept to start to talk about, but we all have um, a masculine and feminine energies within us, okay? And these ancient traditions understood this, and they, what really happens is that we all have these masculine and feminine energies within us, and because of culture and because of our society, what we do is we start to suppress the energy within us that is not the physical form that we've decided to take for the most part. So, you know, as the child, we'll start to suppress, if we're a man, we'll start to suppress our feminine energies. We might be told like, oh, boys don't do that. Or like my nephew, he's four. He's like, boys don't wear pink, you know, or like whatever, you know, like it's like these society conditioning and programming that starts to tell you to suppress these, uh, this other energy that's in you, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens is, and something psychological and spiritual, again, I don't even know, it's beyond me how the universe manifests in this way. Um, but what starts to happen is that your inner, for a woman, like your inner man, it wants to be seen, it wants to be awakened. So when you find another man and you see, you're like, that's my man. It's because you have a picture of a man inside of you that is you. You know, and so you see this man and you lock eyes and something clicks and you're like, that's my man, you know, and that's, that's infatuation. Okay, so that's infatuation. And then you start to, what starts to happen is you start to recognize that there's all these dissimilarities, right? And then the infatuation phase is different. And then what typically happens is we try to change the person, right? But again, in these more ancient practices, what you do is you cultivate that inner relationship and you really are able to experience that person as a mirror of you and you utilize it to continue to grow, right? And it becomes this deeply profound um, opportunity to experience God, you know, is like as cliche and as corny as it sounds or whatever. It's really true. And, you know, for example, like, you know, in my opinion, um, oftentimes women are a lot more active in their higher chakras where men are a lot more active in their lower chakras. And so, again, that's why when that partnership happens, we're, we start to experience more of ourselves. Like women can feel more grounded, feel um, more like nurtured, feel like more powerful after we've had sex. Whereas a man may feel more creative and inspired and like intuitive and their third eye is awakened and their crown chakra is awakened. And this is why women are the muses. They open up men. Oftentimes it's the first time a man is able to experience their divinity, the fact that they're a god, you know, and because we're coming from a time of being unenlightened and being unconscious, mm -hmm. um, we're ha we're having sex and we're not really fully aware of what's being offered and how to utilize experiences. If we did, we would not be treating sexual partners the way that we did after they shared something with us. You know, we would be experiencing more compassion. Um, I, one of my favorite stories, for example, is after the Buddha attained enlightenment, he went back and I forget how many years it was. It was so many years, like 20 or something years. He went back. And he, um, he, the first person he said he needed to see was his wife, a wife that he had left many, many years ago before he um, had went on his uh, path to seeking enlightenment. And um, he went back and he was 
so thankful to her for having shown him himself. That's what he realized when he attained enlightenment, that he needed to go back and thank this woman who had been with him and shown him aspects of himself that he would not have been able to see had he not experienced this counter part of himself through a woman. I love everything that you say. So (laughs) for you, do you think men and women experience sex differently? Because you touched on it and you talked a little bit about the differences, but do you go a little bit more into that? I do. I think, I think again, with the way that we have been experiencing our reality in general, that um, men are, men, even in the way that the female body and the male body are created, women, women are receptive. You know, we have to be willing to be penetrated. Okay, in every sense of what that means, physically, metaphorically, we have to be in that vulnerable state, being willing to be penetrated by another and receiving another person literally inside of us. And that's our practice daily. You know, we're receptive. That's what the feminine energy is, it's receptivity. So ultimately, this is an opportunity for men to start to awaken that feminine aspect of themselves, that receptivity, that channeling, that receiving energy from their experiences. And I think it will offer a much more powerful, powerful encounters across the board, both for men and for women. I'd love to, for you to go into more about how women need to be aware of their gifts. Yes. So I def- I definitely think, again, as becoming more conscious beings, um, and women are the mediums, like traditionally they're the channelers. Um, they are the ones who are receptive, you know, and um, I don't want to say like, you know, men versus women in that way, but this, the feminine energy, for example, and oftentimes it's just more pronounced in a woman who is experiencing life, uh, the feminine energy in a woman. Um, however, the prophets were all receivers. They were all channelers. This is why they received um, what we now refer to as all the sacred scriptures. You know, they were tapped into that receptive energy. They were in meditative states for a long time. They were channeling. They were mediums, right? And so these are really, really powerful gifts that women have that I think we need to be not only cultivating, but also really protective of Mm -hmm. in the sense that we don't want to give our sexual energies just away to like the highest bidder (laughs) you know like we have we we're the we're the creators like we are the divine feminine um we are the ones who bring life through us our our wombs are fertile ground for so many ideas to be born Mm -hmm. right Um, And I say that in every sense of the way, like so many ideas really literally can be born through that life force in a woman's womb being utilized properly for both a man and a woman. Um, So much creation can happen this way. And women are extremely powerful in our gifts. We are becoming more intuitive and we need to start really trusting when we receive that insight and that inspiration and understand that one of the thing that's one of the things that's going to start to be more prominent in the new earth paradigm um is starting to know things outside of what we see and starting to trust the unseen realms 
um, and starting to receive information and like in our gut and we feel it just like we have as mothers, we all have that like gut feeling when something's going on with our child. Yes. We need to start trusting that and start le- learning that the practical mind is very limited. The only the, the only information that the practical mind can access is the information that it has experienced. Yes. Whereas the higher mind can has access to all of the information throughout all of consciousness. And when we have an when we keep an open mind, when we're receptive, we can receive in the moment insight from the higher self from the higher mind of what we need to do and we need to trust that women need to really start to trust that gift so believe it like i don't need to be told to be able to see things like i can see them most of the time before they even happen Mm -hmm. so it's just connecting to that and trusting your intuition i i love how you talk about this a lot on twitter and you tell people to to love themselves and connect with themselves and to flush all that that energy and the things so that they can get clear. Something that you've touched on Twitter before is calling your energy back. And this is a practice that I highly believe in. I want to hear your thoughts though on calling your energy back. Yeah, so one of the one of the questions that was brought up this week was you know, about how to close out a relationship after it's over, right? So anytime we're involved with someone, we create um, a a cord between us and them, right? And it can be um, varying degrees of how strong this cord is, but basically energy is filtered back and forth uh, through this cord, right? And if the relationship ends, depending on why it ended, let's say especially if the other person ended it, they decided it's not for them, and you're still sending them energy, and they're they're not sending you energy back, right? And you're wondering, like, why am I feeling so drained? Or, like, why mm-hmm. am I feeling depleted? It's because it's become, like, a parasitic relationship. Oh, where my God, yes giving energy it's not symbiotic you're giving energy you're not receiving any energy back and this happens all the time it doesn't just happen in romantic relationships but in romantic relationships it's very common so one of the ways you can tell if your energy is going to someone is where your thoughts go because energy goes where your thoughts go or where you focus Mm -hmm. so if you're like constantly your thoughts are constantly going to this person yes your energy is going there and i'm not saying that that's a bad thing per se but you want to check in with your body and see how your body is feeling when you bring up thoughts and ideas of this person and see if it feels healthy you know if you can feel that that person's sending you love even if they're not texting you or calling you or like any of those kind of ways that we have as limited ways that we perceive what's happening in our world you know we need to start to push push past those things if you can sense that that person is sending you love and you want to continue sending each other love in this way then it's healthy but if you tap in and you're like this person is not checking for me and i am just giving them my energy and it doesn't feel good you need to cut the cord you know and when i say that i don't mean it in a sense that like they're going to wither away and die after you cut the cord because on some level obviously we're all connected everyone's connected that's nothing you can ever sever the relationship with being connected to all that is but it's just this specific cord you know yeah and so I definitely teach my students a practice of um a visualization technique for calling your energy back where you would sort of create this um golden sun that's almost like a balloon over your head 
and it's literally drawing all of your energy in, you know? And then at some point when you feel like you've called all that energy back, you can open uh, the bubble and that energy can pour over you like nectar and fill you up and continue to fill you up. And then you can close your field, you know, and sort of seal it off. And you can do that a couple of times, however many times you feel like you need to. Uh, what I have found after like a cord cutting ceremony or any of this calling back of your energy or soul retrieval stuff, sometimes the person will contact you mm. because they will <laughs> feel that you're not, they're not receiving your love and your energy on a vibrational level. And they'll want to reopen that connection because they have been benefiting from it. And that's, that's your opportunity to speak your truth. You know, I mean, listen, we don't want to be nagging people to listen to our truth when they don't want to hear it. However, if someone calls you and you've done a cord cutting ceremony, you know, you can use it as an opportunity to, to however, however much comfortable you are saying, yeah, I was really giving you a lot of energy and I decided that wasn't healthy for me because it wasn't being reciprocated. You know, are you open to a healthier way of relating? Are you open to a healthier way of interacting where we can both be being nurtured by this? Let's talk about that. Girl. <laughs> I'm almost you know? in, no, I'm almost in tears over here because I know that this is like I'm on it's the verge real. of crying because it's so real. It's real, it's powerful work. And it sometimes that that cord cutting has to be done with essential people who you know Hello. family and you know and that's that's when it's really really yeah. hard to do those yeah, exercises. Yeah. Yeah. I would, but you know what? I'm gonna not to cut you off. I'm so yeah. sorry, but um, as I started to do this work and as and as being an empath, you yeah, know, like. I have really come into this awareness that um, when people are um, sitting with pain or sitting with suffering or in a space where they are um, maybe not, not feeling really good and we're sort of doing the work for them, this is not serving them. You know, it's really important to, you know, I have another practice and this is a little bit, some people might have issue with this. I have a, I have a practice where I send people back their pain. Not in a way because I'm wishing any harm on them or anything like that, but I know and I trust the divine order that they have created this experience because they want to learn and grow from it. And when I'm transmuting that energy, which I can, I can absolutely transmute the energy for you and do the work for you. But ultimately, you're just going to stay in this holding pattern for longer. And I don't wish that for you. Oh you know, <laughs> I don't wish that, you know, I want people to sit fully with what is um, theirs mm -hmm. and not enable um, them to just ignore accountability for what they came here they wanted to experience nor do I want anyone else to absorb my pain or yeah you know what I mean like I want to be with it it's me it's me I, I'm giving you I back don't you. know what you mean <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you back you here's your stuff yeah no but this is my plate Fuck yeah. Like, here's your shit. <laughs> I love you and here's your shit. You know? Fuck yes. That's all so I got to say. Self-care, that's self-care 101, you know. Um, and sometimes it's not automatic. It's yeah. not like I just be like, take your shit. You know, sometimes I'm like, damn, I'm really holding this shit right now. And I'll sit with it for a while and then I'll be like, it's got to go. Yeah. And it's hard, you know. It's so hard. That's all for this week. Hasnaya will return next week with more personal details about where her work is going and about some of her story. And yes, we will definitely be talking more about energy and self-care and ways that her practices 
with spirituality can help you. If you love the show, I would absolutely love it if you would subscribe, if you would share it on social media, and if you would pretty please leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening to Sex, Love, Joy. For more interviews like this one and my other work, please visit sexlovejoy.com. I hope that listening to today's guest talk about living their truths helps you in your quest to do the same. Remember, thriving ain't easy, but adding a little sex, love, joy to your day makes the living a whole 